Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. This is Curve America. I'm your host, Chris Ross. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Marco Charl and Tad Burns. Guys, how are you doing? You doing all right, Tad, with a little bit of jet lag this week? Jet lag is the least of my issues. This is going to be a a pretty tricky one for all you listeners out there. The crew of Americans, don't stand too close because I'll be coughing on you. Uh, I picked up a small bug in Los Angeles. I was there. All week and walked in about 15 minutes before uh, before the podcast started and uh, yeah so dedication um, that is the type of dedication to the the curve America to, to everyone's there. detriment my dedication to this podcast uh, is coming through it, it it might be a bad one for me <laughs> I said is the fan on right now it just turns out it's it's Tad coughing on me from across the table. Oh. Yeah, I, I sound like uh, you know, like a, like like a blues singer or something. Like maybe this raspy voice will get get the ladies, uh, you know, into Syria soccer, <laughs> or it'll just be like that guy sounds like he's sick and probably shouldn't be speaking into microphones. <laughs> well, it wasn't a terrible week for you. One, you got to go to L.A., which is sunny and warm. I hope. Uh, but also, as you're wearing a uh, Chicago Cubs uh, hat here on the podcast, your Cubbies are in the World Series for the first time since. Nine, well, first time since 1945 they've been in the World Series. Yeah, mm-hmm. 71 years. Um, you know, L.A. was awesome. Uh, my buddy Nick Henderson, um, who's Australian, and he went to high school with me, so we very uh, very cleverly named him Dundee <laughs> after Crocodile Dundee. Um, <laughs> no, but I was out in L.A., went out for about a, a few days before the wedding to see uh, my Aunt Jan and my cousin Paige and meet uh, my cousin's daughter for the first time and her husband for the first time, which was great. But also, um, we went to two of the Cubs games in Dodger Stadium, um, which Dodger Stadium is a pretty hilarious place. You know, massive old baseball stadium looks like it stepped right out of like a, you know, like a like a fifties Rat Pack movie. Yeah. And Leslie got to tick off a bunch of the the the, the uh, sightseeing tourist things in Dodger Stadium, like uh, Valley Girls, uh, women with way too much plastic surgery, and a celebrity sighting. Um, in Zoe Kravitz, so uh, yeah, but then the Cubs are in, baby. Um, not Maybe only- you guys should go see the, the World Series matches then. Yeah, match. Do match. We call them matches? Marco with yeah. the with the match so dropping for the World the Series match. We're gonna have to get a lot of sponsorship money in between now and then because uh, some of these World Series tickets and regularly are going for twenty grand a pop. Yeah, um, you know the lovable losers. Um, have been fl- quote unquote flying the W a lot these days. So yeah. now we're in the World Series playing another lovable. Uh, a losing team with yeah. the Cleveland Indians. You, you can now directly donate <coughs> to Corp America uh, Venmoing Tad at Tad Burns. Yeah, no, no, Thomas Burns at Thomas Burns. Get, get, get the beer, the beer money thing that you see on like the college football games. Let's do that for me to get to world some World Series tickets. That'd be very much appreciated. But I guess to circle this back to uh, uh, the podcast, as I, I, I forgive my coughing, we'll try and edit it out as much as possible. Sometimes when I get worked up and I'm going to make an amazing point and you're going to be you know, right on the edge of it. it. There'll be a start of a cough then I'll jump forward to, uh, to that, to that <laughs> to point, point being made. Yeah. Um, and also Roma got a huge win this weekend. 
So I spent a lot of the time during the wedding activities with my phone in my hand watching Serie A soccer and uh, NLCS baseball. Weren't you a groomsman? I was a groomsman, but it was a very low-maintenance wedding. Dedication. Um, the, uh, the father of the bride is a biker, like a California biker, so we went to like, biker bars and stuff. It was pretty crazy, man. It was, it, it, but the, the groomsman stuff was very low-maintenance, and everyone you know, understood that I was a diehard Cubs fan and a world famous podcaster. And so these things take precedent over, you know, stupid little fickle things like Dundee getting married. Were you wearing the Cubs hat to rile the crowd? Oh yeah. I mean like the second game leaving Dodger stadium, I thought I was gonna get beat up in the parking lot, man. People like after the first game was kind of like, Oh, ha ha, you know, it's two, two. But then when the, when the uh, uh, Cubs went up three, two in the series, Dodger fans were, were no bueno. All right. Well, back to podcasting. And uh, the offer still stands. Whoever tweets at us, olive oil will continue to flow for thee. We're going to distribute olive oil to all our fans who are finding us on social media. Please subscribe, rate us, comment on iTunes, uh, find us on SoundCloud. Uh, really appreciate the comments from Thomas uh, out there. Continues to, to uh, comment on every single podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. The olive oil's in the mail. In the mail, yes. We'll we'll, we'll post a picture of the canteen of olive oil I have in my closet right (laughs) now. Yeah, we don't have your address, um, so it might get lost in the mail, but it's it's coming. (laughs) It's the thought that counts. We actually have a delivery driver just driving around town to town shouting, Thomas, Thomas. Uh, last way to find us uh, for Curve America, uh, we have an email set up, uh, fabio at curveamerica.com. You can also reach us there. So we're always looking for ideas and stories. Please send them in. Uh, we really appreciate the feedback. So, guys, week nine of the Serie A. Here we go, right? Didn't disappoint. We got a great Juve Milan game, which was the game of the week. Tough fought Derby della Laterna, or the uh, Lighthouse Derby up in Genoa. And Roma continues to rise, and Inter continues to fall. Fiorentina gets their happy goal, and Empoli shocks the world with another Serie A point, just crawling their way, hopefully out of the relegation zone uh, in the coming weeks here. But first, uh, we got Champions League and Europa League results from Marco. So Juventus went to France and got the 1-0 win against Lyon. It was a battle of a match. So... Uh, they actually ended up getting, uh, they're at the top of the, of their group. And, uh, I think Juventus is going to be rolling through that group. Looking forward to the knockout stage. A great effort by 38 year old Gigi Buffon shows no signs of slowing down. Sustaining the rage. Napoli loses two to three to Besiktas. Besiktas. I had a Turkish fan, uh, basically correct me earlier this week. (laughs) And, uh. You know, it's a tough one for Napoli. They're at home. You would have expected them to win. Besiktas had two points. Napoli had six. They could have really just leapfrogged because Besiktas was second uh, in the group. Then we move to Europa League. Inter grabbed stealing. I'm going to say stealing a 1-0 win to Southampton. It was at the San Siro. Uh, Honestly, Southampton could have won that game very easily. Fiorentina uh, won 3-1 at Liberich. Uh, it seems like Fiorentina is on a goal-scoring tear right now, and they continued through the weekend. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Roma, pulling a Roma, going up three-one, uh, making some subs. You know, the game was pretty much you know done and dusted. But get you know, as soon as you start even thinking that, nobody says it anymore. But even when you start thinking it, they go, "Oh, 
I, we felt that. Yeah. We felt that. And then they throw away the, 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 it's like basically a loss, but they throw away two points. I, and it's I, not, it's not like one of those like dynamic Bayern Leverkusen games that was played in the Champions League last year. Um, you know, just, just heartbreaking. A team yeah. like Vienna should just, 3-1 should be over. I had it on in my, uh, at the office with Roma Radio and honestly just turned it off like 3-1, we got this. We, there's no way. And then I looked at the, my phone like, I don't know, 20 minutes later and you're like, are you kidding me? Are you right. kidding me? Such a Roma thing to do. Sassuolo uh, against Rapid Vienna. Uh, 1-1. We'll just say it one more time. Berardi, we need you back, man. Yeah, well soon. Depth gets you through European competition. Uh, without depth, uh, you're game to game. Can, so. can we get Miyagi up in this thing with, <laughs> with the powder and the yeah. hand slap and clap and he touches... Berardi and he's magically cured. Yeah, or maybe just throw him out there with one leg, see what he can do. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But you know, honestly, I, th- I still think that Serie A is is doing well overall in the in Europe. Uh, so making us proud, and uh, you know, hopefully we keep keep rolling this way. All right, we are starting off with the game of the week, and was it ever? We got Milan and Juventus. Milan's youngsters come out in force to take down the old lady in a massive San Siro showdown. Tad's got this one. one nothing Milan. one nothing Milan. And I get to be the first one to eat crow on this one because in last week's episode, I picked Juventus to beat Milan 2-1. to one. Even playing at home to be able to take down Juventus, I thought they are going to put it together. But I, but I was proven wrong. And uh, the reason why I might pick... Juventus over Milan because it's the first time Milan has beaten Juventus in four years. And they did this for a number of reasons. They had a lot of top-notch performances, um, you know, coming from the youngster uh, uh, Locatelli, live in La Vida Locatelli. Um, That's going to stick. Yeah, (laughs) I hope so. Um, And, and, you know, some good midfield performances. But they mainly did it due to a 17-year-old goalie in Donnarumma, who is, you know, obviously setting the world on fire. And an 18-year-old midfielder, uh, living La Vida Locatelli, will do it again, print the T-shirts, um, making only his second start in the Serie A. The, the game is decided, essentially, with a 1-0 with a Locatelli screamer. Yeah. But the yeah. fact that he was allowed all that space kind of highlighted that uh, uh, you know Juventus wasn't really playing that fluidly. Um, and after the game, you know, Al- uh, Allegri declared that you know, Juventus was dominant in defeat. And the, set, you know, the stats will back that up somewhat. Um, and Pjanic had a, you know, just a beautiful free kick disallowed. Um, but it's clear that, you know, the star-studded Juventus team hasn't fully gelled. And there was, you know, Quadrado was, you know, trying to knock in screamers while uh, 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 Iguain's alone in the box. You know, Dani Alves really wasn't playing um, fully as, you know, with the rest of the team. And my question for the group is, despite, despite still being two points clear at the top of the table, Juventus has dropped their two biggest Serie A challenges this year. Should they be worried about all the money on their team? Is all this money disrupting the chemistry? I don't know about that. Uh, Juventus had a slip up this game. I think that both teams were very compact defensively. Uh, It could have probably gone both ways. Uh, Iguain was kind of hiding all game, but we all know that he's done that before and come out with a goal or two. So it's just one of the, one of those times where you know the emotion of the fans, eighty thousand fans were there, were behind the team, uh, 
things went right for Minan because had that goal been allowed when it should have, it would have been a completely different game. Yeah, I, Locatelli for me, uh, this this the goal you're talking about was I think three weeks ago with Sassuolo. Yeah, crushed it with his left foot. This time with the right foot with the curler. So just you know, gr- well done for him. Another great goal. Uh, we were talking a few weeks ago. He was crying after that one because it was his first Serie A goal. Awesome. Just just awesome. Happy for the kid. Just really, really cool moment. Um, but to Tad, your question, uh, just like, is Juventus focusing too much? Iguain and Pjanic started in this game. So I don't think they're too focused on champions. I do think that they're, you know, focused on, you know, this was a challenge that they took seriously. And I thought that, you know, watching the highlights, I thought Juve kind of dominated this game. And it took one wonder strike by uh, Locatelli, but also the other kid, Donnarumma. I mean, that last save that he had on Kadira, I mean, I think, you know, Milan took this one here. And, and every time somebody in Syria beats Juve, I feel like it's the Rocky Four, like after Rocky cuts um, Drago, you know, it's just like. They're, they're not a machine. Like, we people can beat them. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that standpoint in the sense that losing a game on the road 1-0 with an incredible individual effort is going to happen. And at, at the end of the day, we're still talking about a team that's on top of the Serie A. Yeah. Now, they get their lead slashed, um, you know, conceding points to Milan and Roma picking up the win. Um, and unfortunately for them, Dybala got hurt in this game, and it looks like he's going to miss several weeks or several games in injury. Uh, coming up. Um, but I think that, you know, this, this Juventus, they're going to be fine. They're going to come back. They're going to crush. They're still going to be, you know, the favorite for the Serie A title. But moving on to Milan, how do you guys think that Montella and Milan will build on this win? You just, you're running with momentum at this point. Like, I, I, I don't see who they have coming up next, but um... they have a couple easy games before the Inter game, and they play Inter after three games. I think they're playing Palermo. Uh, Pescara and they're, they're playing Genoa and Pescara. Yeah. So I mean, those after beating Juve, so long as you don't drop easy points, you know, that I I think that they can really make a run at it and stay in the top four. Look, for me, it's uh, it's it's always the same things with these teams that are on on hot streaks. Take care of the take care of the smaller teams. Yeah. Worry about Inter when Inter comes. Yeah. Just end it with three shout-outs. Uh, one, to the Milan fans uh, at the stadium, the TIFO. I don't know if you guys saw, like, just straight. They, they said Milan, like like they held up yep. the placards or whatever. Fantastic TIFO. Well done to the Milan fans. And then to uh, the supporters clubs. Uh, uh, Milan, New York City, Juve, New York City, and Juve, Philly, and Juve, uh, Milan. I think they had joint watch parties uh, that they put out on social media, which just... I thought that was cool. Like, I don't Definitely. know how they didn't end up like screaming at each other, but it's cool when the groups get together and, and uh, are able to watch the game, which uh, that just well done. That disgusts me. Psych. No, yeah. that's awesome. Well done. Well done. Up next, we have uh, Roma and Palermo. Roma makes easy work of the team from Sicily, Palermo. Marco's going to take this one. It was a 4-1 final. Yep. First half was a bit of a slog. Uh, I mean, overall, Roma just had the this game handled. Uh, Palermo is is not having a good season right now. Uh, but they start off with a uh, little Mohamed Salah goal, then a couple cards being tossed around in uh, in the in the first half. And the second half, uh, Florenzi comes on, and look, I think Florenzi could go to any team he wants. 
in the world, and I think he could probably play mostly every position. I mean, this guy is amazing. Um, you know, I think that Roma really turned it up in the second half, maybe in part because he brought a little bit of that emotional energy, and he, he does that, you know? Paredes scored a, uh, you know, basically this exact same goal that Pjanic got disallowed. Uh, it was it was supposed to be a cross, um, but the Palermo goalkeeper completely misread it. And uh, after it was 2 nothing, you were just like, all right, if Roma closes this game off, they score that third goal, it's done. And little, you know, a little bit later, beautiful play. Alessandro Florenzi does a combination, gets the ball to Jekyll. Perfect yeah. finish. Jekyll is the striker in form in Serie A right now. Yeah, Florenzi, that was a great touch by Florenzi. To just, just great build up and uh, Checo on that one. I, did you think it was a good goal from Checo? I did. Those are the goals that he needs to be making. What he's, what he's been doing in the past is putting it wide of the goal or right at the goalkeeper, and now he's, you know, slotting him into those yeah. spots that uh, that's even tougher anybody to get to. So as long as it ends up in the back of the net, that's right. eight goals in nine games. Yep. Yep. But then you know, El Charawi. Scores his uh, scores a goal and then does a little dab dance with uh, Paredes. Uh, I, I mean, a question of the group is the dab dance getting uh, just overused? No, no, no. It's like movies that come to Italy like a year later. <laughs> like you'll, you'll be there and it's it's you're like Die Hard with a Vengeance. Like what the, what the heck is going on here? So now the dab is if 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 you're one of those like if you're an old person in America that's just now discovering the dab. Go over to Italy and you'll be cool doing yeah, it. Right. Bring your stinky leg, you know. Uh, bring your whip, whip, and your nene, um, and it's going to it's going to be, it's going to be the hotness in in uh, in Italy. Um, his ability to add depth to the team and basically, no matter what game he's in, is to be a, a first team player. I mean, he's been dropped from the national team, hasn't he? Um, it's important to get him going. And another couple things I like about this game is. You know the, the second team players or or the the non common first team for Roma played well. Paredes had a great game. It's good, you know he could be the future for Roma, um, and I thought Emerson played really well. Um, him coming on and starting this game and and producing at his level and to get good to see Fazio continue to play well in defense because one thing that Roma is really going to need if they want to challenge for the Scudetto and to go far in Europa League is better defensive play. So just rough season for Palermo continues. Um... You know, obviously, don't get any points out of this game. Uh, it seems like when Palermo has something going a little bit, somebody just comes down and just beats the brakes off of them. Yeah. Like early on in the season, they had the uh, uh, the draw against who was it, Inter or somebody. Um, yeah. They have the international break. They come back. They suck. Um, they had a good showing against Juventus. They come back. They get whipped. Um, so you know, I mean, they're 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 a relegation area team, and they don't really have any stars. And from a rum perspective. You should crush them, yeah. and they did. Um, from a Palermo's perspective, you'd hope you'd be able to catch them on a bad day. But the way Jekyll and Salah are playing right now, there's just no way a, a Palermo team is going to be able to, to stop them. All right, up next we've got Napoli taking care of business down in Crotone. The Neapolitans take this one two-one. Easy points from Serie A's bad news bears. Biggest news out of this one, guys, Crotone has their first home game. And even though they've had official home games, uh, they, they haven't been able to play in Stadio Etsyoshida until uh, they got Serie A's approval. And no more three-hour car ride for uh, for Crotone. You hear that? That's me 
clicking my fingers for Crotone and Crotone and Crouton Nation. <laughs> the Fagarici, you get to go down the street. That's right. We yeah, had really. Cagliari fans were going, you know, 800 miles to uh, Trieste. Yeah. Well, hats off to uh, my fellow Patagarici who did uh, have been making the trip and uh, uh, waving the uh, red and blue for, for uh, Crotone. Uh, well done. I don't know if I'd be doing it either, but uh, but well done. Um, so to the game itself, Calahone uh, for Napoli opens up scoring in the 17th. Terrible Crotone clearance. Calahone puts it away on the 6th. Um, Followed up by just the dumbest play, I think, of the weekend. Uh, Gabbiadini in the 31st, 31st minute gets a straight red. He's on like the 50-yard line, and uh, he's on the ground and cleats uh, Crotone's Paladino, also known as Maverick, uh, and, and just gets a straight red. So he's going to miss an Empoli game midweeks, no big deal. But then, guys, he's missing the Juventus game for Napoli, which just, what are you doing against Crotone? The second goal for Napoli, cross from the far left, tap in. Again, poor defending by uh, Crotone. And then to, to end the scoring, this is kind of how Crotone is scoring their goals this, this year. Uh, Rossi, who is definitely a distant cousin of mine, uh, gets a garbage goal in the 89th minute, and that'll do it for this game. So Napoli takes the three points. Good week for them. Up next, we got Torino versus the other team from Rome, OTFR. I like this headline, Marco. Ex-Roma players finally giving Roma some satisfaction. <laughs> Final result, 2-2. Hey, great game, great atmosphere, uh, and it was bouncing back and forth, the, the score. Uh, it starts off with Iago Falke, and this is what we're talking about. These guys are, uh, are scoring goals at will, you know, all of a sudden that they're all out of the Roma squad, uh, but at least this time they're scoring against the other team. So uh, Iago Falke jumps up, must have been working his calves this past week because he got he got some bunnies and he got up and 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 it was a nice finish nice header uh and then you got Chiro Immobile who is just super hot right now scoring a bicycle kick and I just love when a, a player scores against a team that you know they owe a lot of gratitude to and I just love that everybody was super pumped and he was just like guys I, I can't celebrate this goal it's just I don't know it's just you know, it's it's loyalty. It's classy. That. Simone yeah. Inzaghi uh, brought up uh, Alessandro Murgia, who wears 96 uh, as his jersey number. And I'm, I'm thinking this probably because he was born in that same year. That's crazy. Uh, the 20-year-old scores a header in the second, in the just about the 83rd minute uh, to, you know, go up 2-1. And all of a sudden, Torino picks up a penalty in the very last minute of the game. Yait scores his third goal in two games. And... Torino ties it up. You know, basically this game could have gone both ways, but it it, it was it was super exciting. Electric atmosphere. Uh, this is the kind of game you love to watch with two teams that are both sitting at 12 points right outside of European contention. Um, I think Torino right now is slightly better on goal differential, but these are the two teams that right now we've been talking about as, you know, being the ones to watch out for, even more than Sassuolo. Yeah, well, definitely more than Sassuolo. Sassuolo has been very pedestrian as of late. Um, this would have been a, a great game for one of these teams to, I guess, surpass the other with a victory, obviously go up ahead on um, the table. But this is not something that you can be mad at them for. This is a hard-fought good game. Um, I called it last week that Falke and Jajic were going to score for uh, uh, Torino this game, and they did. And the third best player for Torino in this game was Castan. 
So uh, you're welcome, Torino. Um, enjoy this one point you know, given to you by, by Roma's bench. <laughs> this game, really, you know, one goal off the header and then the other goal off the PK. Four good saves from Joe Hart. Just again, a, a good showcase match for the Serie A because these are two teams that most of the people around the world probably don't know anything about, but they're uh, putting in good performances. And they're right there. I mean, they they both got 15 points after this week, uh, which is good enough for fifth, uh, you know, tied for uh, fifth, I guess, but fifth and sixth, respectively. Yeah, if the season ended today, they'd, be, they'd both be in Europe. Yep, which is, is cool. They're they're right behind, uh, uh, you know, some of the, the big four, which I is I wouldn't cool. mind seeing OTFR drop, like, you know, 15 more places. That's, that's just my opinion. Yeah. But Felipe Anderson continues to play amazing. They're an exciting team to watch. Okay, here we go. We got Empoli and Chievo. Another early Christmas present for Empoli as Chievo plays like their nickname to a 0-0 draw. <laughs> uh, so starting it off, we got uh, Chievo getting one called back. Uh, goal line technology, Marco's favorite tool here in Syria. Gambarini gets one. Uh, it gets pulled back, and it's really pretty impressive i mean like you got to say four fifths of the ball was across the line and that one fifth wasn't and so uh the empoli goalkeeper skorupski he saved it i mean in real time it absolutely looked like a goal i, I thought that uh, uh kievo got robbed but you know the technology's there for a reason i guess and uh that was the result so that was honestly one of the most exciting things of the game. Um, Castro got for Kievo got a double yellow, so he's out uh, with a, with a, with a red in the 80th. And then uh, what else? We got Empoli. They had this is kind of an interesting fact. They have not scored a goal in Syria in six consecutive games. The last time they've scored, it was against the Croutons on September 12th. Ooh. But again, crawling their way through relegation. They're only one point away from Pescara for, uh, for getting out. Um, so before week nine, Empoli has uh, five points. They're two points from getting out, like I said. Kievo is 13 points. That's good enough for seven. So they're right there. I, I know uh, uh, Ad Hang the DJ is still fighting us on that one. But, uh, you know, I'm, Kievo's there. They're, they're there. Uh, and then for week 10, uh, you got one point away from Empoli uh, being out of the relegation zone. Chievo stays in seventh. Empoli's got a tough uh, next couple games. They got Napoli and Roma, which uh, I don't think they're getting draws out of that, but but we'll see. Chievo's got an interesting one, which I'm excited about, midweek game against Bologna. We'll talk about that later. And then they got easy points, hopefully, against uh, Crotone at the end. Good luck to Chievo. I mean... They lost Lucas Castro to suspension, uh, and he's been one of their main players along with Birsa. So you know, hopefully they uh, they you know they're able to backfill there because uh, they you know again these teams you need the depth if you want to keep moving forward. Um, I, I know Ricardo Saponara had a good game uh, for Empoli this game. They're a little bit dangerous, you know, when this when they're kind of countering off a off a steal. Uh, they like to create long shot opportunities, Empoli. But again, they just don't have the firepower, unfortunately, uh, and they'll probably be hanging around that relegation zone for a little while longer. Kievo has to be taken. You can't be dropping points to Empoli yeah. if they want to stay in the fight for Europe. Um, they got to dig deep down, come back from this one with with you know the opportunity to uh, challenge for six points this week. So all eyes are on them, or at least six in the Curve America. <laughs> 
All right, another great one for this week. Atalanta versus Inter. The ex-Inter coach outfoxes his old team, the Nero Azzurri, in front of an electric crowd. 2-1 Atalanta. Marco, you got this one. Yeah, you know, the stats don't really tell the story of this game because I think that this was probably one of the worst games that I've seen Oof, it was bad. since the Boer has been in charge. Um, after this game, you know, Atalanta bump up to 8th place. Uh, Inter slipped down to 14th. This is their 6th loss, their 5th loss. Uh, I'm sorry, their 4th loss in the last 5 games. Man, it's... It just... It goes from worse to worser or worsest, whatever you want to say, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. We, we know the grammar perfectly in Italian. Yeah. They're going to a place where grammar don't matter right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just curse words. The game starts out in the 10th minute with former match-fixing Maciello getting the header off the corner kick. And you look at this guy. I mean, he kind of looks like a match-fixer. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's just It's just poor marking in the back post. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, look... Eder shoots a missile yeah. to the top right corner. This is another potential goal of the week. This was a, a, a ridiculous. Thing of beauty. Yeah. A thing right of beauty. after the first half starts. And, uh, you know, it goes all the way to the end when Frank Cassie, my man, draws the PK after Santon lunges in. Don't know why he did that and then puts his hand up as usual. Oh, I didn't touch him. Yeah, that was the most blatant PK that you could have yeah, done. That was, that was and then P- Pinilla comes in. Uh, scores a goal, climbs up to the fan. Man, this stadium, we've we've been saying it, electric. Only twenty thousand people there, but just a, in, this place is a gauntlet for teams to come in, and especially again, it's about to get super cold. Uh, they like that ice box up there, uh, and they and they steal points from the big squads. Yeah, I mean, Atalanta has been playing quality for weeks now. Um, they've beaten Napoli, now they've beaten Inter. Um, you know, several weeks since since they've they've had a really poor showing, and like you said, it started to get cold there. But I mean, Inter, what is going on here? The yeah. bore was terrible. Starting Nagatomo, Brozovic, it's just flat out bad. Um, you know, Medell was just terrible, and then to boot, he throws a cheap elbow to somebody. And now yeah. he's getting a three game ban. Yeah. You know, Santin was awful. Uh, you know, I mean, even even like Perisic played bad today. I mean, it seems like they're completely demoralized. Um, who knows if DeBoer has lost the confidence of the locker room or his players. I mean, he even said after this game, he doesn't even know if he's going to be coaching in the next game. So just absolute free fall and an absolute collapse from a team three or four episodes ago we were talking about was going to challenge for Champions League. Because they beat Juve too, mm-hmm. right? The other thing too, uh, the drama that never stops uh, the Italian opera right now is Icardi. He's got zero shots in this game. Some of the articles I read saying that the teammates are starting to abandon him. You know, you brought up DeBoer, Tad, like, if <laughs> your first time Serie A coach, and like, all right, what do you want me to do with this? Like, my captain is a young guy who the ultras hate. Uh, the the teammates may be running away from him now. Like, the more I, the more I read, I honestly think, I don't think Icardi's going to survive, man. I think he's, he's going to leave in, in the winter window, the transfer window. I'll probably, yeah, I could probably agree with that. My prediction is uh, actually the Boar's last chance is this week against Torino. Yeah, he, he bought himself a little bit of room probably by beating Southampton in Europa, but I, it's he's definitely on well, the chopping block. Here's a question, Domanda. Inter squeaked <laughs> the win. word of the day. Inter squeaked the win by South, Southampton this week, and again, Southampton could have scored plenty of goals that game. Uh, 
But really, should they be focusing more on the league uh, over Europa League? I mean, remember, uh, you know, words out that Champions League now is, you know, four spots. Uh, is it worth doing well in Europa League right now to sacrifice a fourth place finish, a third place finish in Serie A? I personally think no. Yeah, I mean, I think that's some DeBoer is doing to save his job. Um, yeah. You have to come out and have a win, show something to people um, that you know you're you're somewhat competent after the disaster that Inter has been in the last thirty days, and especially with all the Icardi stuff. Um, you know, I think I mean I don't think it's an either or question. You got to try and do both, do well in both. But if you look at the state, the Europa League state right now, and the position that Inter's in. It's a huge uphill battle for them to make any sort of noise in this tournament. And so I think that they definitely need to be focusing on riding the domestic ship more so than the European ship. But this, you know, losing Atalanta, granted, they're a good team, um, you know, enters on the road. They, they have to have something better than just this absolute awful performance. All right. Up next, Bologna versus Sassuolo. Bologna enters week nine with 11 points, just one point behind Sassuolo, and really took a test to Sassuolo. Should have won this game, but it ends in a 1-1 draw. So first off, I got to say, Bologna Stadium, Stadio Renato Dallara, awesome. Just really cool-looking stadium, really old-looking stadium. Uh, to the game itself, uh, some some uh, another wonder shot here, uh, potential goal of the week uh, you got for Bologna. In the 10th minute, he's got a free kick. And just rips it. Great shot. Uh, he goes out and he celebrates afterwards with a Luca Toni celebration, kind of with the, the hand by his ear. Uh, it was about 30 yards out. Hits the crossbar and in. And uh, just fantastic. Interesting point for Sassuolo. This is of the last six games, five of them, they've let a goal in in the first 10 minutes. So something to work on of just uh, keeping your focus. You know, not much to report on in this game. The other goal from Sassuolo, again... You know, Bologna really dominated this game. Sassuolo doesn't strike until the 86th minute when uh, sub Matri, yeah, substitute uh, Matri comes on. And uh, he chips the goalie, gets it in in the 86th, celebrates, uh, bites his thumb. I think he's got a new kid at home, so uh, that's how he's celebrating his goals. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's really this game. I really thought after watching the highlights, Bologna kind of dropped points in this one. Um, so the, the question for the group on this is, you know, Sassuolo, again, like I said, not playing well. Is this just injuries uh, for, for Sassuolo? I mean, Berardi, we keep saying they're, they're super uh, stud player. Uh, he's been out since August. Is it just, you know, they're that reliant on, on him to, to really be the, uh, the darlings of Serie A? Or, or what's going on with Sassuolo? Well, Berardi is arguably the most exciting young talent in Italy. And this team kind of goes as he goes. And, you know, Sassuolo, we've been banging on them lately or, or in recent weeks because they've been playing very well. They've, they've lost games they should have won. That Milan game, you know, was the catalyst for Milan being amazing. And Sassuolo has been kind of pedestrian since. They're ninth with 13 points and still in striking distance to stay in Europe. And, you know, this is the, these are the darlings of the Serie A, the small team that's making it. And without Berardi, they're meh. And with Berardi, they play in Europe. So is it an injury thing for him? Yeah, I think, you know, he's, he's the, the heart and soul of this team. And he can do things that makes the, the whole team better and makes them more competitive. So they're not getting 1-1 draws to Bologna. 
I think they they should start looking ahead already uh, towards the January transfer window to for looking for some sort of reinforcement. I mean, I look at games like this. Uh, I, t- I take a quick three thousand foot view of of what things you know how things are shaping out. Because really, if you look before this game, or let's just look at the table right now, uh, there are three teams at thirteen points. There's three teams at twelve points, and there's two teams at eleven points. So. You know that's the that's pretty much the thick of the middle of the table, uh, and any one of these teams at any point could be dropping into the bottom half of the table to the top half of the table. So when Bologna plays Sassuolo, this is a huge game, and Sassuolo, with all the expectations they've had throughout this season, at the beginning of the season at least, they need to be able to weather the storm of Berardi against a team like Bologna, who's sitting in that in that mid-table zone. So. Yes, Verade needs to come back. Uh, you know, hopefully he gets better, and hopefully they don't push him too quickly because then you know that that ruins young players. Uh, but I think they also need to keep an eye towards the transfer window and see if they can pick up a smart buy somewhere, uh, and that'll definitely help their cause. Yeah, the the injury injuries continue for them. Uh, their captain Francesco Magnanelli apparently went down this game with a groin pull, so he's out. That continues. And for both these teams, you know, like Marco said, they're they're middle of the table right now, but they both have some tough games coming up. Uh, they got Bologna's got Kievo and Fiorentina next uh, for midweek, and then uh, for the weekend, and then Sassuolo's got Roma midweek and OTFR, other team from Rome, uh, for the weekend. So, not easy games for Oof. either. Yeah, that that's uh, you know, drawing in this game is going to be tough to pick up points for the for the rest of the week for them. This week's episode of Curve America is brought to you by Ireland's Four Courts. Ireland's Four Courts is one of Washington, D.C. metro area's number or leading soccer pubs. They open up as early as 6 a.m. They have games on DVR by request. They show games from all the major leagues. They have drink specials, food specials. It's an awesome place. It's also home to Curva DC, AS Roma's official supporters club in the Washington, D.C. metro area. Yeah, yeah. Um, big shout out to David and all the boys and girls at Ireland's Four Courts. Definitely check them out if you're around town for a game. All right, up next we got Cagliari and Fiorentina. The Viola have, have apparently been listening to the pod, podcast Paisani, as they erupt for five goals against Cagliari. Final result, 5-2. Yeah, what started off is Cagliari probably thinking they're going to put the foot on the head in the swimming pool of a Fiorentina team that's been you know, floundering to stay above water. Um, probably thought they had the momentum and the home side advantage after Di Gennaro scores in the second minute, catching the ball off the air, out of the air, and, and, and having a nice goal. And then he almost scored again a, a few minutes later. You know, they probably thinking at that point, like, yeah, we got this, man. We got three points. We're at home. Pretty nice turnout. And then got turned on its head real quick because uh, Kalinic and, and Bernadeschi decided to turn this game and just basically highlight reel for them. Um, both the Croatian and the Italian took turns just dropping bams, stanking bams. Absolutely no chance at any of them by the goal, goalkeeper. They were left-footers, they were right-footers, some curling, some U90, some they were juking defenders in front of them, creating the goal themselves, other them running into free space and finding each other. I mean, look for these guys' FIFA scores to be nice after this game. Um, Calgary managed to pull back two in garbage time after probably the majority of the fans were already riding their Vespas home. Um, you know, 5-2 Fiorentina, the game's over at halftime. 
But question for the group, last week Fiorentina was in a world of hurt with only nine points in the bottom half of the league. Now they've exploded in the Europa League and in the Serie A with just just barrages of goals. Do you think the uptick in goal scoring is an attempt by Sousa to open up play, or is this just a week long anomaly that we can expect Fiorentina to revert back to their just boring goal you know goalless ways? I uh, I don't know. I, I kind of think that uh, this might be a rally cry for Sousa. I mean, I definitely his his head was on the chopping block for sure uh, when we were talking last week. Um, and then for them to win like they did in Europa, and then for this result, you know, maybe it's it's just them kind of saying, look, we, we, as a team, we like what Sousa's doing, we want to keep him around, and, and so now we're going to explode with some some big goals. They they got an easy game coming up, too. Uh, you know, maybe some more breathing room for them. With uh, They got Crotone coming up, uh, and then uh, I think Bologna on the weekend. But um, I don't know. I, I'm going to go with uh, they're, they're backing up Sousa. I think that Fiorentina is going to keep it rolling because right now they're just in that flow. So uh, this is this is the way Serie A works. This is the way soccer works. Uh, if your team is on a roll, they're going to usually. I mean, you got you get your top striker and then your you know your young talent scoring goals. Um, definitely positive times ahead for Fiorentina, and they were really boring to watch a couple weeks ago. Yeah, here they go scoring five goals each one. A high level of its own. I think that Fiorentina is in good shape right now. They need to ride this wave as long as they can. All right. Up next, we got a derby. The Derby della Lanterna in Genoa. Proved to be a great Serie A matchup between Sampdoria, claiming three points for the first time in seven games against Genoa. Final result, Sampdoria 2, Genoa 1. Yeah, this game is... One of the those derbies out there, a game you watch that is a reason why you're an Italian soccer fan, that neither one of these two teams have, you know, immense global followings. Genoa's, you know, the, claims to be the oldest team in Syria and Sampdoria's, you know, one of the youngest teams in Syria. And, um, you know, this game is not going to get a huge amount of coverage in the United States or in Europe at all. Right. Uh and this, it just turns out to be extremely enjoyable. I mean, it's just this great Saturday atmosphere at uh, Luigi Ferraris. Uh, and what you expect from a, a great Serie A derby, there's just flags everywhere, loud, awesome chants, shirtless ultras as far as the eye can see. Um, you know, the, the game is, ba- is being played at night and that you can see just like the haze of flare smoke as each size ultras go back and forth. I mean, it's, it's an atmosphere of... You know, of, of, a, of like a like a great crisp night soccer game, and both teams pretty much stuck to their game plan. They didn't try to do anything over overly tricky to beat one another. Sam trying to push the attack, and Genoa basically just trying to possess the fall the ball and defend. You know, it's great to see Sam's stars turn up uh, with Quags, Quagliarella, and Luis Quagmire. and Luis Muriel. You know, playing their hearts out. Uh, the two team teamed up for the best goal of the game. You know, with the whole setting, it looked like you know, like a like a Manchester derby. A beautiful first touch by the Quags, and he and he dumps it off to Luis Muriel, who just kicks it where it would be impossible for the stop. Upper ninety, um, and then uh, Rigoni scores shortly after for Genoa. But what was cool about both these scores is they're both in the first half, right after each other, and they're both right at the. In, at the goal in front of their curva. So That's both cool. guys just get, you know, right. go crazy right in front of their fans. And if you've ever seen uh, Luigi Ferraris, 
it's a really intimate stadium. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like once they score, they turn and they're right there, you know, high five and fans and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, it's great to see, even if you're somebody who doesn't really care, you know, what the result of this game is going to be. High fiving fans through the net. Yeah, basically, uh, you know, being able to give, have them give you a five year note and you can give them some change. I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty <laughs> they're squeezed up against the net like fish. <laughs> so, uh, uh the game closed out, unfortunately, with uh, Armando Itzo had an own goal, which is tough to see because Itzo and Riff Raff have been um, Genoa's best players so far. So so far, so it's tough to see him go out like that. Can we drop just, we've called him Riff Raff a few times. His real name is Laxalt, right? Laxalt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just just so we can give some Diego Laxalt, yes. But he's, he's, he's Uruguayan Riff Raff. Yeah, yeah. So that's, <laughs> from now on, there'd be no frame of reference. No. Um, <laughs> Pat in the 23-year-old goalie um, for Genoa, who I thought played very well, um, fouled Quags in the box um, and managed to save the PK. So it's good, like a little short story of redemption right there. And Pavoletti, you know, who has three goals for Genoa and probably, you know, their most dangerous striker, had a couple missed opportunities. But the game ends up 2-1. Um, Samp is able to claim uh, uh, the trophy of the lantern if there's uh, uh, if there's anything such it's a, as exists. It's a lighthouse. Lighthouse, I think, yeah. same diff. Yeah. Um, what's a big lantern? A lighthouse. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's basically where you have it. I love the I love the Luigi Ferrari Stadium um, because it's got <coughs> similar to what you were talking about the Bologna Stadium. It's got these massive columns and like the architecture is just beautiful in that stadium. Uh, you know, quick thing about Perin, you know, he was really supposed to be kind of the heir to uh, Buffon's throne. Uh, Buffon, who is just like outliving, you know, mummies, is, uh, you know, continues to, to to just push that bar back. And so like... There is a portrait of him somewhere, like Dorian Gray, like he's hiding <laughs> to, to stay young. Yeah, and so it's, it's, it's funny, you know, it's like every year you feel like there's a super young goalkeeper who's the next one in line. Uh, Donnarumma just is the youngest one, so he's got the biggest chance. So who knows? Yeah, they had Maybe to pull Buffon a rattle out of his hand, years. though, to be the... They had, they had to pull a, a baba and a rattle out of his hand and put him in the pros to be the heir apparent to be Buffon. So just in, just an interesting side note. Uh, lots of good goalkeepers in Italy right now. All right, up next we got Udinese and Pescara. Two teams battling at the top of the volcano, potentially falling into the lava that is the relegation zone. That's beautiful, Chris. You think of that yourself? Well, well written, Marco. <laughs> Udinese getting a crucial three points, and that it's 16th and 17th place battles. Take it away, Marco. Yeah, you know, the game was 3-1, but Piscata had, you know, a massive amount of this possession. They had a massive amount of shots. So at that point, you're thinking, wow, Pescara's really just, you know, going to take over this game. And, you know, they're 16th, 17th place. And it's just like, you know, who's like, like you were saying, Chris, who's going to fall into the lava pit first, you know? And uh, it's it's the kind of game that you need to win if you're one of these two squads. Yeah, I don't, I uh, honestly, it's, it's uh, tough to get excited for a game like this. I, I agree that... You're just fighting to stay out of the bottom three. Absolutely. But in a nutshell, you know, Piscata had more of the game, but penalties are momentum killers. You know, the first penalty, uh, it was blatant PK in the eighth minute. Thoreau comes in, 
and gets a cheeky chip down the middle. And, I, you know, guys, I, I want to take this second to ask you guys. You know, I played soccer growing up. I took some PKs. And I always wondered to myself, why would a player chip it down the middle on a PK? It's like the risk to, res- the, the risk to reward in that situation is like, you know, it's great if you get it off. You know, it's like, okay, if you're Tati or if you're like somebody who is like a magician. But if you're someone like Tero, you chip the ball down the middle. It's like, okay, you just took a massive risk. You could have turned the momentum of the game right there. Because when somebody gets the ball chipped into their hands, everyone's like, this guy's an idiot, you know? Well, Henry David Thoreau here probably thinks that he is Francesco Totti or at that skill level. <laughs> Why do they chip it? Because it looks cool, man. Chicks dig the long ball. So some players, particularly strikers, take PKs. Sometimes a little bit of, you know, prima donnas. And um, they get dunce capped a few times and made to look like donkeys who can't fly when they're trying to chip it down the middle and ends Right up in somebody's, you know, bread basket. I, I don't know. Chick, I, chicks dig the long ball. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a baseball phrase, Mark Oval. <laughs> it's from an 80s baseball movie. We'll, we'll tell you about oh, it. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, no, I always thought, I'm kind of with you, Marco, on this. Like, you know, growing up playing, like, I just always thought it was cool when people could kind of thread the needle and, and uh, just put the ball right in the corner of the nets where no goalkeeper can get it. I just thought that was a more impressive skill than, you know, basically duping a goalkeeper and making him dive one way or the other. Why Toti makes it look so awesome is because Toti is the guy, too, that will just kick it as hard as he can, and there's no way you're going to stop it. Yeah. yeah, He'll just blast it. Like, he can walk up and point to where he's going to kick it and kick it so hard you can't stop it. And sometimes he comes and he chips, and it's like, oh, you know, it's like it's like Allen Iverson crossing somebody, and they fall down. Right. Yeah. You know, so... Um, when he does it, it's great, but I agree, Chris, like a guy coming up, just kicking as hard as he can, having, um, you know, the ability to control where that goes and just basically make the goaltender feel like you, you have no chance. I mean, that's the way to do it. Yeah. No, I think, Chris, I think Darth Vader has a good point here. (laughs) I think, uh, so then Thoreau gets his second goal in the 26th minute. It was off a rebounded shot and Udinese is rolling. Uh, but then Aquilani gets one back, uh, you know, yes, I'm talking about Aquilani, the guy who went through the Roma youth system. Then he was at Liverpool, then Juventus, Milan, Fiorentina, Sporting uh, in in Portugal, and now he's at Pescara. Eesh. So my how the mighty have fallen. But yeah. he scored a nice goal, and uh, you know, it's it's just a battle till the end because Pescara again kind of dominated the play. But Zapata draws a second penalty converts at the end of the game. I think he was the player of the match. He also got the first p- PK. Um, you know, Pescara playing that Christmas tree formation for her, for all those who uh, aren't aware of what that is. It's a 4-3-2-1. And they were go- going up against Udinese's 4-1-4-1. So two very interesting kind of uh, formations in this game that you don't see often. But I got a domanda for you guys again. You got very creative on this write-up. <laughs> Any chance that Di Natale comes out of retirement and he pulls one of these, you know, like a Paul Scholes midway through the season. I'm saving Udinese. Maybe he takes a sig break, a break from a sig break, and yeah. scores some goals. Pulls a, pulls a Landon Donovan. Yeah. I, you know what? Yes, there's definitely a chance. Right now, he's, he's probably burning him. Yeah. Why not for Udinese? Like you got a new coach. Why not? Let, let's just let's let's try something else. That's right. So. uh 
We're know. at Di Natale. You're on notice from Curve America. We'd love to see you out there. That's right. So hats off to uh, Udinese for the win. Pun intended. All right. That was it for week nine. And we're going to put a bow on this with uh, the key players for all of us. Who do you guys think were the, were the best performances for this past weekend? I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to stick with a, a game that I covered. Uh, Fiorentina, Bernadeschi, and Kalinic, five goals combined. Um, Kalinic did have, by who scored, a perfect rating, which is very hard to do. Um, but I'm going to give a slight nod to Bernadeschi because if Fiorentina wants to have a shot Champions League this year, he's their most important asset to get going. I think Locatelli has to be mentioned here. Uh, just a youngster coming up through the youth ranks and then scoring that massive goal against Juventus. You gotta love him. You gotta love. He yeah, scores goals and then he just cries. Yeah, and the story behind it. I agree. I Locatelli wins the weekend, no doubt about it. Uh, my guy uh, is is also like Tad from one of the games I covered. Bologna's Verdi, great goal. Admittedly, uh, probably not the goal of the weekend, but up there, definitely in the conversation. Should have been the winner in Bologna versus Sassuolo. So that's it for uh, week nine. Uh, where are we in the table after those results? Uh, Marco, why don't you run us down? Who's in the top four right now? The usual suspects. We got Juve, Roma, Me. Well, I guess you could. You wouldn't say Milan is the usual suspect. Not, not but this year. Suspect, yeah. but they are in there. And uh, Napoli's coming in the fourth spot. We'll give an honorable mention to Torino, OTFR, and Chievo because they're right outside. They're hungry. They're Come hungry. on, Chievo. Come on. Relegation. Uh, surprise, surprise. Empoli, Palermo, Croutons, uh, Pescara. <laughs> I guess that's an honorable mention. Well, they're, you know, their blowholes are just above the surface right now. So well, they're, they're breathing heavy. Well right? said for the Dolphins. Yeah. Now, uh, you got to think uh, Empoli is just ready to crawl and, and get out of the relegation zone and catch Pescara. But Udinese, I guess, gets an honorable mention too, right? They're one point uh, uh, above Pescara. Yeah, they're there too. Yeah, so that's what the table looks like. Uh, I, I got to say, uh, top of the table is interesting and fun. Uh, I think we're going to see uh, by the end of week 11 whether we really do have a race uh, in Serie A this year. That's, um, you know, looking ahead, we, we got some interesting games. Um, why don't we go around the table with it? Um, we, we, we should say uh, before we start this part, we've got our favorite type of week this week. We have midweek games for week 10. And then regular weekend games for uh, week 11. So, but 20, 20, 20 games. Yeah, 20 games for us to cover. It's going to be tough for us. Uh, but what are the games you guys are uh, looking for? Uh, for uh, the, but you can take either midweek game or, or week 11. For me, low hanging fruit, but it's one of the reasons you get hyped for the Serie A. You have Napoli versus Juventus, two teams in the top four. Juventus has shown they can you know, be knocked off their perch a little. Napoli's got to be desperate to pit to at least take one point from Juventus. It's a huge game. Yeah, definitely. Like honestly, super excited for that game because I I said before like I think everyone since like mid August right is like well Juventus is going to run away. If Napoli takes this, we absolutely have like a four or five team race uh, for for who can take it. Roma, this is like the kind of game that's just um, so enjoyable for a Roma Roma fan. You know, you're like. Either one of these teams dropping points would be great. Tie would be even better. So, well, transitioning to that, I think my my uh, my kind of underground the double games of the week is uh, Sassuolo because they go they play uh, against 
Roma, and then right after that they they play against OTFR, yeah. uh, and this is a tough test. Again, you know, Sassuolo, uh, a lot of high ambitions at the beginning of the season. They're still, you know, need some players back, but they're playing two good teams back to back who are in form, and I think you know keep an eye on this on these two games because they could have some uh, big implications. Yeah, DeFrell, if he gets hot again, who knows what's going to happen. Politano is pretty non-existent this past weekend. I'm excited to see them as well. Mine is a midweek game. I, I kind of mentioned this before, but uh, bologna Kievo, both hungry teams, and they could really make some noise here. If Kievo wins this game, it could equal legitimately a top-four spot for them. And if Bologna wins, it would need a lot of work, uh, but but they could really get in the conversation too if they win this game. And it would, regardless if they win, they're going to be at the top half of the table. So a lot for those two teams, exciting teams. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, players to watch next week. I think Tad's got one. Yeah. So if you're looking at everybody going forward, I think the player that I'm looking forward to um, is Frank Kessie. He started off the season doing gangbusters for Atalanta and has kind of gone away in the past few weeks and re-emerged this past weekend, drawing that foul that led to an Atalanta victory. Um, Atalanta have Pescara away and Genoa at home. Atalanta are hot, you know, and they've they've been really killing it without Kessie scoring. Granny is a midfielder and doesn't need to, but if Atlanta want to take six points against two teams that are just going to try and park the bus, they need Kessie to focus on his early season form and, you know, less about what Manchester United might want to do two to three seasons from now. So I'm definitely looking to my man, Frank Kessie, <laughs> make a huge impact. It'd be crazy to see Atalanta, you know, in Europe at the end of this week. I'm going to go ahead and be a little selfish here. I'm going to say, Jacko, keep it rolling, man, because, you know, I think not only do we have, you know, the you don't only have the Romanistas' eyes uh, right now, but everybody's kind of looking at Jacko, top goal scorer of the league, Let's see if he continues to go through uh, the season with this type of uh, goal scoring rate. What's that Italian word, Marco? Capocannoniere. Well done. Favorite word. You almost got me there, Chris. Yeah, yeah. It's, you got to keep sharp with your Italian. Yeah, keep keep the gloves up there, Marco. <laughs> um. All right, guys. Well, that does it for uh, week nine. Oh, I made it through. Yes, Tad survived. I made it as through. a trooper. We also want to remind everyone, we dropped a special podcast today. Uh, Marco was uh, gracious enough to uh, do an interview for us, a gentleman by the name of Matt Arrington, and uh, uh, give it a listen. It's out on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, Really interesting uh, perspective on playing in Serie A, uh, and then also, uh, uh, you know, talking about youth development here in uh, in the U.S. So, Marco, or or playing professionally in Italy, not the Serie A. Yeah, sorry. I, I hate to, to bring up that, that that Matt didn't achieve his dream of of making it the Serie A, but yeah, uh, really good interview with Matt. Uh, excellent interview. He definitely is uh, very well spoken. You can tell he's a coach and he does public speaking every day. Uh, but ton of knowledge, really good insight uh, as to you know what where the state of youth development is because he's in the thick of it. So it's definitely check that interview out. And hear a story about Marco crying his eyes out repeatedly as a child. <laughs> Still happens today. All right, guys. Well done. That wraps up week nine. Looking forward to week 10 and week 11 when we come back to the podcast next week. Until then, guys, we say... Arrivederci. Ciao. Ciao.